Welcome to Oscar Sunday. I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Izagiri. And today we're going to be talking about the legendary 1948 film, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, which won three Oscars on a total of four nominations at the 21st Academy Awards. Uh, you and I uh, fell in love with this movie about a year ago, year and a half ago. I don't know. Uh, it's, been, it's been a long time since we saw it for the first time, but it was through this show. It was uh, episode 16. Uh, we talked about Hamlet from 1948, which won Best Picture. Um, that's uh, one of the biggest disagreements I've ever had with the Academy is giving Hamlet the, the biggest award of the night. Uh, so what we do on this show for Best Picture winners usually uh, is we'll do the Best Picture showdown and we'll rank the Best Picture nominees, you know, personally from five to one Uh so since we didn't do that for Hamlet way back, you know, this is early stages of Oscar Sunday. We'd have, we didn't have that format yet. I wanted to go ahead and do that at some point uh, in this episode later. So you and I can kind of clear the air about our, <laughs> our feelings with Hamlet. Uh, that includes Johnny Belinda, uh, the snake pit, the red shoes, and of course, treasure of the Sierra Madre. So it's gonna be fun to talk about those movies. All the, the other four are really good and Hamlet just kind of doesn't belong. Uh, so you can you can guess what my number five is, but it's gonna be cool to talk about those and just kind of honor them the right way because we didn't really get to an episode 16. But I remember coming out of episode 16 and just being like, I just added a lot of cool stuff under my belt, you know, some really good 40s movies. And it's one of my favorite Oscar years. Yeah, this was a year that I think surprised the hell out of us. I know we were both kind of like, oh, Shakespeare, it's going to be hit or miss. But the other four films were the big surprise of that episode. And we we had such a blast talking about those because they were all films that we were very new to us. I hadn't heard of three of them. And now they're in my repertoire. They're fantastic movies. Uh, so I'm excited to kind of go back to that year proper and really uh, dig into it. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you, but you bought me um uh, a criterion edition of the red shoes just because you knew like i i become a huge fan of it from from watching it through this show and that's that's the stuff we live for you know it's just kind of adding stuff to your arsenal that not only is cool to be able to have an opinion on but it's actually like a personal favorite i love when that happens and tomorrow is my my birthday and so um sierra madre is a is a very important film to me a movie that i was like ashamed that I hadn't seen yet <laughs> when, we, when we, when we talked about it way back, but, uh, but I'm glad it's with me now. And you, you bought me that movie as well on DVD. It sits on my shelf proudly uh, next to, this is funny. I was just putting it back on my shelf earlier today. Cause I watched it today. Uh, it sits next to, <laughs> this is this is funny. I have a collection that I've had since I was younger of all the transformer movies, like the Shia LaBeouf ones. And then, and then so it's that and then Treasure of the Sierra Madre because, you know, I have them in alphabetical order. And then next to that is this DVD I bought for my daughter, Willow, which is a troll or trolls. So it's, you know, because <laughs> it belongs in the it belongs in that TR section of the alpha, alphabetic, you know, alphabetizing my, my DVDs. And so Treasure of the Sierra Madre is, is wedged in between just stuff I don't really care about. <laughs> I just haven't, I haven't let go of that transformers thing and trolls is, is yeah, again, for my daughter. It's, it's just funny when I was putting it away, I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> you know, and you, 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 you find that out when you have like, you know, a ton of movies like we do, you just kind of like, 
bees are next to each other what the hell <laughs> i love that though i love when you have that variety when you like you know it's not like i just buy classic movies or i just buy blockbusters it's i buy anything that tickles my fancy and it's just if i like yeah. it it's going to be in this collection th- th- those are the best collections to have yeah there's there's some movies i own that i don't like again transformers that i just don't care for but i still i don't mind it being on my shelf you know who knows when i'm going to want to watch it for the for the show or just for you know shits and giggles i like watching kind of you know average movies every now and again just for fun so yeah i'm with you it's good to have kind of like a versatile collection and i think we both take take pride in that <laughs> but treasure of the sierra madre one of my favorite favorite movies to own it's probably my favorite movie of the 40s uh i would have to really look at that but i, I just i just adore it and so it's like a long time coming doing this episode again since episode 16 i knew i i knew we were going to do it at some point we like to give a break in between doing the same year yeah uh so it felt right that we have this much breathing room to you know kind of let these movies uh you know create we, we get to really create uh, uh like a some kind of story with them as fans and I, I feel a sincere story that i have with sierra madre I've watched it, you know, five times now within the past year and a half. It's just something I can't shut up about when I get to, when I get going. So this is just one of those episodes that was gonna gonna come at any point. Um, you and I, though, we decided since this isn't a proper best picture showdown, we're gonna rank the movies later. But this isn't really a best picture showdown because it's not Hamlet. Uh, John Huston, the director of of Sierra Madre, you and I both decided to do a little bit of a homework on him because he's one of the American greats, you know, uh, a total Titan when it comes to filmmaking and Sarah Madre, you know, depending on how you look at it, could be his masterpiece. Um, I went back and rewatched the Maltese Falcon, which is just also a masterpiece, a great, great movie. And then I watched uh, uh, the asphalt jungle, which blew me away. And uh <laughs> I love John Huston, but what I really came out of that movie with was Sterling Hayden was like, Oh my God, I love Sterling Hayden even more. <laughs> and, and right now he has this huge, huge uh, collection on criterion with a bunch of his uh, movies with his performances on there. So he's, he's, he's got my attention again, but that's the homework I did. What about you? Uh, I also watched the asphalt jungle, which was riveting. And I was like, wait a minute, is that Marilyn Monroe? <laughs> yeah. Her first, yeah. yeah first role. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, definitely felt like a predecessor to the killing. And I'm not just saying that because Sterling Hayden's in it, but it's definitely one of those perfect heist goes completely wrong kind of movies. And I just, I love that. I love seeing the prototype films for that kind of setup. Uh, I watched wise blood from 1979. Um, wasn't that into that one. I wanted to like it. Um, I know. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I, 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 will, I told you to watch that one too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love Brad Dourif. I, I think he's yeah. fantastic. I mentioned in my review that I, I love him as Chucky. I love him, you know, his horror stuff, but he has such great dramatic roots that I really wish he'd do more drama because he is so good. Yeah. Um, but I just, I couldn't get into the, the concept. I was like, so he's, he's trying to create a church without religion, but he's doing all these, all this religious shit. That's, Impend, like impeding his life it just it seemed kind of aimless like i was waiting for the like for the point yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah for sure for sure for sure it's uh it's a bit but 
not not convoluted because it's not like there's too much happening, but there's in some cases not enough happening or it doesn't add up. Uh, he's completely lost his mind. That character, uh, uh, what's the name? Mo- Moats or Hazel? That movie, I, Hazel Moats. I, I can't remember what his. Yeah, I think I, it's I, Hazel Moats. That, that sounds right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Brad Dourif. He, he's just like wonderful. It's a really cool cast. Really, really interesting people show up in that movie, and I, I, I like it a lot. Um, I like movies about people like trying to step into like the church that realm of stuff you know it reminds me of elmer gantry and there will be blood and i I really like that one 1979 is such a cool year for movies uh but i I understand i understand why you didn't like it but brett brett durif is worth worth your time no matter what yeah of course of course um that was what i did for just for now i wanted to watch more but honestly the like (laughs) it's it's just hard to find the time um yeah same yeah but, you know, I've seen the Maltese Falcon a couple times, and that is such a brilliant. I think it's his debut. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Like, what, what a hell of a way to step onto the film scene with something like that. I mean, Jesus yeah. Christ. And his career stretches from the 40s to the 80s. So, like, we get to see the evolution of, like, culture through John Huston's films, which mm-hmm. is pretty amazing. Yeah. Not a lot of filmmakers can boast that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that, one, that one's freakishly good. I just totally forgot. I remember liking it the first time I saw it a few years back, but, and I thought it was good, but now, now I'm, you know, it's great. It's a great, great movie and maybe bogey's best stuff. You know, he's lights out in that movie. I I don't know. I think we're going to be talking about bogey's best stuff. Uh, once we get into the, to the meat of this episode, uh, <laughs> there's something just electrifying about bogey and Sierra Madre. That's unparalleled. Man. Yeah. Uh, Dobbs, and then, is, Dobbs is the man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, we have done um, the African Queen in the past. Yeah. Uh, not crazy about that one. Um, I I think it, the you know both leads are are great and Bogey is, is is wonderful. But I don't know that one's a little bit more dull than I wanted it to be. That's yeah, fair enough. I I like I like the African Queen. Uh, I don't know what it is. I think it's just their chemistry is so like strong that it just draws me in. Uh, yeah, I, I think I, I think I gave it a seven or yeah, it's, it's like it's it's decent. It's worth your time, but not like it's not going to I don't think it's going to blow anybody's socks off, you know? Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think that's all that I've seen from not counting like, you know, Houston's performance in Chinatown, which is just so fucking sinister and creepy. Uh, you haven't th- you haven't seen Sergeant York. I watched uh I watched clips from Sergeant York in middle school when we were doing World War One, but I've never actually sat down and watched the whole movie. That one's really good. Yeah, you would love that movie. Oh, I know. It's Gary Cooper, like and a yeah, biopic yeah. about a World War One hero. I would love that movie. <laughs> and John Huston, yeah. Early John Huston. Yeah. He does he does that in Maltese Falcon the same year. Like, are you kidding me? Like, what's wrong with this guy? He's <laughs> lost his it's amazing. Yeah. No, he, he, he is, he is incredible. Uh, like Connor, like you said, he lasted until the eighties, he died in 1987. And, um, you know, of course there's the real cool story with him and his dad in the treasure of the Sierra Madre, uh, Walter Houston plays Howard, the prospector, uh, which, which is, it, it, you know, has to be some kind of influence for the prospector in toy story too. Right. <laughs> he's he's got to be, I watched that today too. <laughs> 
I he's, was like, wait a minute. <laughs> he's the definitive pro like when you think of a prospector, that's what you think of, you know. White beard, kind of, you know, yeehaw, dancing. Like it's he he is a yeah. pro he's the prospector. It's <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I wonder if like what we think of as the stereotypical prospector, does it even come from like the history books or does it come from Treasure of the Sierra Madre? Yeah, I I think a lot of stuff comes comes from movies like this that are just powerful. You know, I think who knows how accurate, you know, like Gold Hat and the Bandits are, uh, but they're good enough for me. <laughs> they sell me on it. You know, we don't need no stinking badges. Like, yeah, I, I, I can get down with that. They probably never said shit like that, but I'll, I'm cool. That it's, it's awesome. It's uh, Sierra Madre does this thing, thing that I love where it teeters between being ultra realistic and then also being a blockbuster, being a proper movie, being something that's staged for, for entertainment. Um, they, filmed a lot of it on location but also they filmed a lot of it on set so like i like that combination of like understanding we're making a movie we have to entertain people we have to keep a good pace but we're also going to be a little bit different you know we're going to be a little bit a little bit grittier than what uh, you know the other stuff that's coming out so i i love i love when movies do that they like take that uh little plunge but they don't go completely off the rails and you just get this kind of lost movie that has no idea what it's trying to say i think Sierra Madre knows exactly what it's trying to say over and over and over. And I love that about it. Well, it needs to stay grounded or else there's nothing to connect to. And it does that through the characters. These guys who are just realistic, you know, down on their luck people who stumble onto the find of the century and it fundamentally changes them. I mean, we've seen that happen. You know, we, I believe that. And God, it's just so again, going back to like the killing, just, nobody wins like it's just a complete clusterfuck because nobody trusts yeah. anybody <laughs> it's ah I, I love movies when like the heist goes great and then the aftermath is earth shattering and this is that yeah 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 it it, it uh you know it, when i'm when i watch sierra madre it gives me that exact feeling that i get when i watch reservoir docks where i'm like man I'm I'm home. <laughs> I'm like this is this is the kind of film that I, I need that I want. Uh, Asphalt Jungle. Uh, you pointed out. You point out the killing. I think like Heat is one of my favorite. Thief. I love those movies that just kind of like some shit gets fucked and you know everybody's like out for themselves at some point and I, I just love it. It's just it's just human nature. And with Sierra Madre more than all the other ones they're telling you what's going to happen at the very beginning of the movie. They tell you the, you know, Howard tells you, you know, that sometimes water is more important than gold when you get, when you get up there and it, the, the problems start when the piles are too big, you know? And like, I love all that stuff. Like when he's telling them what's going to happen and you're just still along for the ride. It's very cool. Uh, yeah. John Houston. There's, I, I would say Sierra Madre and Maltese Falcon are probably the two that I, I, I see. They kind of stand in a different place. They're both arguably masterpieces and asphalt jungle. Very good. African queen, you know, solid. Uh, I like wise blood just get, you know, Sergeant York's good. Got more stuff to watch for sure though. He's got such a cool filmography. Yeah, He's a guy I want, like when I have a, like some time, some really like a good chunk of spare time, I want to just get lost in John Houston's career. He has such yeah. an amazing eclectic group of films that just range from, you know, drama, comedy, heist. Like he goes all over the map. And I'm, I, I want to check those out. Me too. Me too, man. Um, another guy that I 
can't get enough of. And, you know, thankfully through this show, we're, we're getting a lot more of his stuff and being able to have conversations about him is Humphrey Bogart. Um, he's, he's so good. He's, there's nobody like him now. Uh, I've, I was, I texted you that about, about Sterling Hayden as well, where it's just like, dude, these guys that <laughs> they have balls the size of softballs and they're like, they have a gravitas that, that just, you don't see today. It's just, it's, there's no one like nearly as masculine or as like daunting on the screen as, as these guys were it's just a different era for, for male performances. Uh, it's not, not saying it's better or worse. I just, I just dig it. It's different. And I dig it. And Bogart kind of stands in a class of his own, you know, his eyes just tell you everything that's happening. And uh, he's, He's got something going on in Sierra Madre that I just can't, I cannot get enough of. Uh, but he's, you know, he's one of those guys that I've always been fascinated by because of the, uh, you know, he dies in his fifties. He died at age 57. Um, only like nine years after Sierra Madre comes out. So you just wonder what else would this guy have done, you know, in the later stages of his life. Uh, if he would have been around during, you know, the sixties and seventies, you just wonder like what directors he would have worked with. Would he, would he have kept working with John Houston? What else would they have done together? Would he have been in wise blood? You know, like who knows? And that stuff really, really bothers me because I, I, I really, really like him and I wish he would have been around a little bit longer. He was nominated for uh, best actor in a lead role three times, got one win. The win was for African queen, 1951. The two nominations were Casablanca, 1942 and the Kane mutiny, 1954. All three of those movies are, He's just crushing it in all three of those movies, just absolutely crushing it. Oh, the Kane Mutiny. What a like what a what a great kind of not last role, but like leading up to the end. That was one of his final roles. And uh-huh. he plays such a shit. But you get it. Like he's, you know, he's mentally unfit for this job. And I just love the the way they have to prove it and how like the, the way that movie unfolds is really smart. Um, yeah, Bogey was in a class all his own. I mean, you know, we've seen a lot of his work through this show now, and I just, I loved seeing him go like, you know, head to head with Cagney in, um, I think it was Angels with Dirty Faces. Mm. Um, yeah, he's just, he has this, this weird charisma about him. Like I, I believe he, he could do anything. He was, you know, a character actor before that was even a thing. And I think, you know, that's, that's impressive. He was a pioneer. Yeah. Yeah. Total. Yeah. Total pioneer. Uh, I, I, I think there's a reason, you know, um, we, you know, Cagney is a great example. That's a good guy. Cagney uh, for, for people who are crazy about movies, they, they might, you know, know those two names as, you know, as equals, but there's something about Bogart. It's probably, you know, the fact that he was in fucking Casablanca, like one of the, one of the films, you know, in, in film history. Uh, people know his name without seeing his work. You know, people know who he is. They know of him as if he's like one of the fuck Beatles. You know, he just, he just had that. He has that. He has that same thing that Meryl Streep has that Catherine Hepburn had, um, you know, Jack Nicholson, those people that like, you didn't even have to see what they did. You just, you know who they are. And that's just power. It's just sheer power. But when you do watch him, you're like, ah, I get it. <laughs> I fucking get it. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been, I was into him before we started the show, but this obviously catapulted him into a different stratosphere for me. Uh, yeah, he's 
he's James Frazier, yeah, in Angels Dirty Faces, and he's fucking good in that. You know, he, he it doesn't take long for him to take over a, a scene or a, a moment of a movie. No, and when he's dominating, like in the role of Sam Spade, I mean, just of course he's going to figure it out. Of course, no one's going to get one over on this guy. And then you know, as Dobbs, he kind of brings that same charm, but with like like on the opposite side, like he's using it for evil this time. And it's just so cool to see that range uh, in the forties. You know, I, I classic cinema is never going to get old. It's never going to be, you know, insignificant or unclear. It's, it deserves to stay in the spotlight forever. And I'm so glad we get to bring it, you know, treat it with the same gravitas. We would treat like the Lord of the Rings, like everything yeah. means the same to us. And I, I like that. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, I today, I you know, I told you I watched Sierra Madre, I watched Toy Story two, and I watched A Bug's Life. I watched those three movies today. I was I was off work and just having fun, you know, watching shit. And I, you know, I mean, I, you know, I'll, I'll share more thoughts about Sierra Madre later for sure. But like, I, I, I look at those two animated movies as like they're like both nines for me. Nines, nines out nine out of tens. And then I'll, you know, go back and watch, you know, fucking Johnny Blinda or the red shoes. And like, those are also nines, you know, it's just, that's just how I feel. That's just how I feel about it. There's no, um, there's no pigeonholing with both of us. You know, we, we just kind of take each film for what it is. And I think, I, I, I don't know. I think, I think that's the right way to do it, you know, give each, each film their space, you know, and, and talk about them. And yeah, I've, it's it's changed my life for watching movies when I got over that uh, that hump of you know black and white and watching old stuff and they all talk like this you know <laughs> you know they all they they all have this you know have this this pace to their voice I it's just awesome it's just a different time and very very much worth worth uh kind of finding your own stuff you know uh that's that's my favorite thing uh I will say last thing about Bogart have you seen High Sierra no. I have not. That one, yeah, I think you'd like that one a lot. He's he plays Roy Earl. That's nineteen forty one as well. Awesome, awesome performance from him in that one. Uh, I mean, he's got so many, but there's those ones that are personal. You know, that you're like, I like that. One. Like Angels of Dirty Faces is definitely a personal one. Like, not everybody's gonna be like, yeah, he's amazing in that. But he, but you and I, he stuck out. Hell yeah, yeah. I'll check out High Sierra. Um, two that that have been on my. Uh, radar for some time now are um, Key Largo and The Big Sleep. I Ooh. I gotta watch those. Big Sleep. Yeah, I haven't seen Largo, but Big Sleep is real good. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's got like 90 acting credits and, you know, he, he died when he was 57, so just who knows what else he could have done, what else he could have tacked on and added to his resume. He's He was a, he was a completely you know different breed, freak of nature, uh, very prolific and Rest in peace always to him. Uh, next guy, um, this is the other performer that, that has some, some Oscar attention, and that would be Walter Houston, John Houston's dad. Uh, sheesh, this dude. Uh, what he's doing in, in Sierra Madre is bonkers, and I'm very glad he won, he won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor in, in, in Sierra Madre as Howard. Uh, Bogey, it's really a shame he wasn't even nominated. That makes no sense to me as Dobbs. That's like one of the ultimate, what the fuck were you watching? But they, you know, they gave 
Walter the win. So it's like they clearly saw it, you know, and <laughs> it was up for best picture. So like, what did Bogey not do for you? Yeah, <laughs> how 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 is that not up? It's really amazing. But uh, uh, Walter Houston also nominated for Dodsworth, nineteen thirty six, All That Money Can Buy, nineteen forty one, and Yankee Doodle Dandy, nineteen forty two. So you know, yeah, yeah, Yankee Doodle Dandy. <laughs> uh, He's he's no you know no slouch when it comes to Oscar nominations and of course that, that one win so it's pretty cool to think about John being behind the camera and you know he's like, that's 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 my dad <laughs> he's fucking crushing this movie it's 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 really cool to think about yeah it's so cool that he was able to uh, lead his dad to an Oscar win and that his dad was like. You know, when my son became a writer, I said, hey, write a good part for me. And he did. So thanks. Like, that was the speech. <laughs> he did. He did write a good part. <laughs> yeah. Fucking hell. I Yeah, I, I need I need to see more of this guy's stuff. I've heard Dodsworth is real good. That's um, he's he's, you know, he's the main character, Sam Dodsworth in that movie, 1936. I would love to see that one. Um, but he's it's part of this Houston family, you know, um, that is still around, still working, you know, Angelica Houston still, still just crushing it. You know, these, it's a family that's got all kinds of talent coming out of it. So, uh, uh your boy, he liked, uh, Jack Houston. He's real good. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're, they're, I don't know what's going on in that family, but they got something, something's going through their blood. <laughs> oh, they're incredibly talented. I mean, don't, you know, don't leave out Danny Houston. <laughs> yeah. 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 Come on. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking crazy. Uh, I love a you know a Hollywood dynasty family that just has generations of insane talent. You know, the Houston's, the Coppola's, like these are these are just I love looking into these guys. Yeah, the Coppola's is is a whole different ball game. It's like because it's because the you know the Nicky Cage. You're like, wait a minute, what? You know, Jason Schwartzman. All these people are, are are related. It just gets really confusing. At least with the Houston's, they all have the same last name. You know. <laughs> uh, true oh boy that's uh it, it's hard to believe that such a powerful movie you know i mean it really centers around three people right uh dobbs walt uh howard and uh uh curtain those three guys are really like on the screen pretty much the entire time and the, you know there's not really anybody else that's uh as far as oscars go that's like noteworthy uh it's it's really that's all it takes right i've always preferred a uh you know when you see like a huge ensemble like when wes anderson has just tons of like oscar you know nominated people and winners that's cool but i prefer a balanced like a balanced roster of of actors of character actors of you know oscar type actors of newcomers you know i prefer for something like this where it's it's kind of a jack of all trades type thing yeah definitely i want to see you know a variety of different kinds of talent taking on yes. a project together like this. It's that, you know, it gives you balance. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's kind of like with the, like if you have like a sports team and everybody's a superstar, it's not going to work, you know, cause then they're not going to know who's going to take over the, when it comes time with this movie, we know Bogart's taking over, you know, Dobbs is taking over and he's going to, you know, fucking push us through and be the most entertaining guy. So, it, you know, then, Walter Houston's the second guy He's like, wait a minute, I might be, I might have something to say about that. And that's cool. I love that. Everybody else falls in line, you know, and it, it makes the movie just work like magic. Um, next guy. 
Oh boy. Uh, Max Steiner. This is uh, one of the giants when it comes to, to uh, composers and guys in music movies. He's got just so many fucking nominations. So I'm going to go through them. I don't think we've ever talked about him on this show. So I want to go through all of his stuff. He's got, I think three wins altogether. So bear with us. Uh, 1934, the lost patrol was up for best score. Also the gay divorcee, 19, both 1934. They're both up for score. Then he won in 1935 for the informer. Uh, then was nominated again for the garden of Allah, 1936, Jezebel, 1938, gone with the wind, 1939, uh, dark victory, 1939, the letter, 1940, Sergeant York, 1941, uh, and then won again in 1942 for Now Voyager, uh, and then Casablanca, nominated, The Adventures of Mark Twain, 1944, nominated, uh, Since You Went Away, 1944, got the win, uh, he keeps going, we're like halfway through, <laughs> uh, Night and Day, or no, Rhapsody in Blue, sorry, 1945, nominated, Night and Day, 1946, nominated, My Wild Irish Rose, 1947, nominated, uh, Life with Father, 1947, nominated. Johnny Belinda, 1948, nominated. There you go. We like that one. Uh, Beyond the Forest, 1949, nominated. The Flame and the Arrow, 1950, nominated. The Jazz Singer, 1952, nominated. Uh, three more. <laughs> the Miracle of Our Lady of Fatima, 1952, nominated. The Cane Muni, 1954, nominated. And Balakrai, 1955, nominated. So yeah, three wins a shit ton of nominations and here's a guy who basically every year from 1934 to 1955 was getting some kind of recognition it's crazy that's amazing uh i can't believe he wasn't up for sierra madre the score of this film I, is remarkable <laughs> truly it truly is i love the score uh it reminds me of some of my favorite modern Western, you know, crime movies of, 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 the, of these days. Um, so with this, do you, do you feel like with this category specifically back then, you think there just wasn't like enough people working to kind of be in competition? Like, do you think, do you think he's, I, I want to word this right. I don't want to like disregard him or anything, but it's, it's much harder nowadays, right. To get a nomination every fucking year for best score compared to back then, right? Well, back then it was, you know, it wasn't just best score. It was best dramatic score and best musical score. So you had just the same people kind of working, you know, on a conveyor belt with this stuff in every department, you know, the actors, the directors, it was really just like, you got it, you know, you got three scripts you're working on this week. And there were the occasional like big projects that like monopolized time. But a lot of people were just, you know, multitasking constantly just to, you know, make content because all the studios were competing intensely, like way more than they do now, I think. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, with the, the small pool of people just doing drama films or just doing musical films. Yeah. Probably easier to get constantly nominated back then. Yeah. 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 And like you said, you know, a lot of his are for scoring of a dramatic or comedy picture. And then occasionally you'll see these musical ones and, it's just it's just it's just weird how it's changed it's changed completely over time and you know guys that are really recognizable today you know john williams and hans zimmer and thomas newman all those kind of guys there's just there's there's something i think a little bit more difficult to like string together that kind of a filmography but 
But this guy's got the numbers. Jesus Christ. Yeah, you're not wrong. And there are, you know, it wasn't, there were, there were, there weren't people who were just, you know, there were people who were just drama, people, just musical, but a lot of them, you know, did everything. I'm looking at the nominees from this year and, you know, Alfred Newman is in both categories, musical yeah, and drama. There, you, there um, you go. You know, diversify. But I do think also, we've talked about this before. A lot of the scores back then didn't really stand out. There were no. a lot of them just kind of sounded like very similar. So I think there's a, a certain degree of, creativity that's more allotted to the composer these days. I think they're given a little bit more freedom to kind of make the score their own back then. I bet it was just kind of a job for hire. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which man, that must've been really hard uh, at that time to be someone who's, if you're really trying to vote on the best score and you're just hearing all these things that are so similar, you're like, ah, ah, I don't know how to, (laughs) I don't know how to decipher what decipher what's what. I would, I, that's just not a job I would want is like listening to the same dun, 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 dun. <laughs> See, but, but over that's and why, over. That's why I think Sierra Madre should have been up because I, I can recognize that score. If I hear that score, I'll be like, oh, that's Sierra Madre. Yeah, and there's a, that's yeah. impressive. Yeah, there's a few bits in Sierra Madre that I'm like, oh man, <laughs> this is great. You know, it, it, it really does remind me of, you know, the stuff I love, like the like Johnny Greenwood score in There Will Be Blood, where it's just kind of like, Kind of, it's kind of scary at times, but all you know, it's kind of telling you what's about to go down. You know, it's got the like eerie eeriness to it, and I love that. So Max Steiner is a guy that I didn't really know much about, and here we are. You know, he's got twenty something nominations and three wins uh, for composing. Hats off to him. Uh, next guy, here's 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 someone that sh- fucking sure as hell should have been nominated for Sierra Madre and wasn't. That's Ted D. McCord, the cinematographer. Um, come on, what are we doing here? How, how is Sierra Madre not up for, for fucking cinematography? It's, uh, it's weird because he also worked on Johnny Blenda and he was nominated for that. So he got, he got that, uh, black and white best cinematography, 1948, Johnny Blenda, uh, and then go all the way up to 1962, two for the seesaw again, best cinematography, black and white. And then here's his big one, uh, Sound of Music, 1965, Best mm-hmm. Cinematography in Color. So three nominations altogether. I just don't understand. Um, Johnny Blend is really good, and I, I, I wanted, I, I wanted to watch that one again just for the show. But uh, Sarah Madre has to be there. His work on that is at times tr- truly outstanding. You know, with uh, doing the stuff on location and a lot of the, you know, a lot of the outdoor scenes that they do. It's just a uh, it's it, it, for me anyway, it's the stuff I love. Yeah. A lot of the shots are brilliantly framed. I look, you know, like I said about the conveyor belt with films back then, a lot of them were just, you know, on a sound stage. you filmed it, you went home, but there were people trying things. There were people experimenting, trying to put their mark on something they believed in. And you can see that in, in Sierra Madre. This is definitely a film that was not, you know, your usual, you know, random like MGM script. This was, this was something that people put a lot of work into. There was love behind this. And you can see that in every aspect of production. You know, that kind of love transcends the, um, the language barrier transcends, you know, the black and white barrier, a good movie is a good movie. You can always tell. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Well said. Uh, Ted D McCord. 
good work, man. We, we recognize you here on Oscar Sunday, even though the Academy didn't back then, but uh, yeah, he's, he's at this ceremony though for Johnny Blenda, which is so cool. I love seeing someone do two noteworthy movies with the camera, you know, within the same year. I've always thought that's just fascinating. Uh, uh, Another, another guy from there will be blood, Robert Elswit, the cinematographer also did the cinematography for Michael Clayton both 2007 movies and I just, that's, that's just cool as shit. I love that. You know, what a, what a different kind of experience too, you know, like when you get to work on and Johnny Belinda and Sierra Madre, very different, different films. And so I, I really respect that. Uh, last guy I want to talk about is Owen Marks, the film editor for Sierra Madre. And here goes along the lines of what you've been talking about. Connor is, is uh, conveyor belts. Uh, oh, oh boy. Does editing go a long way when you're doing these kind of classic movies and can, can be the difference maker and setting them apart from, from their, you know, from their peers. I, I, th- I think Sierra Madre, it's just, it's like two, like just above two hours. I think it's kind of cut like a diamond and just every decision makes total sense to me. So that, that shit, that shit goes, goes a long, long way when you're, you know, he's, he's also the guy behind, you know, editing Casablanca. So it, may, it makes sense, right? It's like they had an eye for what's going to age well, what's going to last, last a long time. And, you know, that's, that shit's important. Oh yeah. Big time. Especially since, you know, the way this thing's edited is pretty crucial to it being as memorable and exciting as it is. I mean, you've got to mm-hmm. kind of ramp up the tension from just, you know, them kind of, you know, fucking around and, Tampico to, you know, going on this expedition and then the way things get tense with the, with the banditos, it, it it just, it, it's a perfect escalation into a, like a brilliant climax. And I just, I I think this film's edited just perfectly. Yeah. Sublime and not nominated. What what, Sierra Madre is one of those movies that should have like 10, it should be, it, sh- it should have double digit, you know, Johnny Belinda got 12 nominations at this ceremony. I think Sarah Madre should also be in that, that, that kind of a, that kind of a place. Uh, it's crazy to me. It's only got four nominations altogether. Really bonkers, but four, four really big, big categories. So they do have, they do have that going for it. Um, Owen Marks was nominated for Casablanca 1942 and Janie 1944, but my favorite thing that I saw earlier about this guy is he's also the one who edited White Heat from 1949. Fucking love White Heat. Holy shit. Oh, fucking White Heat. That's such a badass movie. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that. So this guy clearly has an eye for, t- for like tension. He's, he can really yeah. like he edits yep. things together to really fit a fucking even Casablanca, you know, towards the end of that film tension gets ratcheted up to 11. So that, yeah, I guess that's this guy's uh, milieu. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it has me interested in, this is my, one of my very favorite things about this show is yeah, sure. You want to knock out John Houston's uh, filmography or Humphrey Bogart, but now I'm like, no, I want to see Owen Mark's edited movies. <laughs> you know, I want to see, I want to see the sea chase from 1955 or lucky me from 1954 or I don't know. I'll just choose one. You know, if it's, if it's this guy, chances are it's going to be pretty good. <laughs> yeah, well said. I definitely want to check out East of Eden. I, I, I own that one. 
it'll it'll pop up someday. I'm sure we'll 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 find a way to do that. Nice, cool man. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I think um, we've done movies that have twelve people that are Oscar nominated. It feels like uh, this one. This one has six. That feels just right. It feels like it's the right balance of kind of big people and then people trying to prove themselves, uh, and a, and a cast that's just kind of kind of kind of understands what's going on. So very cool. The twenty first Academy Awards. Here we go. This is going to be a lot of fun. I'm I'm very excited to kind of break down some of these categories and get to that best picture uh, ranking. That's going to be really cool because we, you know, watched these movies for the first time a long time ago. It feels like so. I'm excited to do that. And then after all that, we'll of course give our own awards out to Sarah Madre before we get out of here. But 21st Academy Awards, Connor. Um, this is hosted by Robert Montgomery. Nice. Uh, like I said, Johnny Belinda had 12 nominations. That's the most at the show. Uh, Hamlet won four and went away with uh, you know the big the big one. So they're kind of the winners of the night. But that's not really how I see it, right? You know, I think I think the way I see it is it's one of the more surprising and balanced overall good ceremonies filled with like just solid movies that are worth worth people's time and 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 accessible. You know, so these movies are still. They're still out there. They're Criterion or HBO Max or what have you. And you can find them. You can watch them. So I hope people are influenced. Um, but for, for this, what do you want to start with? With the categories? Because um, we have four. I think best screenplay probably be a good place to start. Yeah, because, yeah, yes. Screenplay, I love a motion. I love the category name, best motion picture story. Uh, yeah, screen, screenplay is probably the the, the, the right place to go, especially if we're going to finish with picture, the other three categories have one in. So yeah, yeah. Screenplay, supporting actor and director. Well, yeah, we'll knock them out that way. Sounds good. Um, I right. think it's crazy that it's just best screenplay. It's not original or adapted. It's just five movies. <laughs> yeah. So what is motion picture story? I guess that's just a that story that? credit. Just the guy who came up with the concept. Yeah, how how bizarre. Yeah, that used to it be a ended, category. It ended in 1956. That was the last year they did um, this category. I mean, some great movies won. Yeah. yeah. There's Going My Way, Miracle on 34th Street, uh, Greatest Show on Earth, uh, Roman Holiday, The Brave One is the last one to win. Yeah, I mean, there's, I, I prefer the the way we have it, the best original, like, written directly for the screen and then adapted. I, I like that the best. Yeah, me too. But you know, they had to start somewhere. Yes. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, look at best documentary right below it. It's got two fucking movies nominated. So get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> well, best screenplay. Um, oh, I guess I'll do it. Uh, yeah. Take it, take it away. Yeah. Why not? A foreign affair by Charles Brackett, Billy Wilder and Richard L. Breen. Johnny Belinda by Irma Von Cube and Alan Vincent. The Search by Richard Swisher and David Weschler. The Snake Pit by Frank Partos and Millen Brand. And the winner, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre by John Houston. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with that. I think this yeah. has an amazing Christ. story, a fantastic screenplay. This, yeah, well-deserved. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's as snappy as anything I've ever seen, you know, the like whip quick dialogue between especially those three guys and they're 
right right from the get-go that's probably why i fell in love with it so fast because when they're in tampico you're like holy shit these guys are just boom 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 just going back and forth and when we first meet we first see walter houston uh howard and he's telling them about about you know mining for gold and you know, oh yes, you know, and, and I, I, I always love when a movie opens up with just that strong, that strong of dialogue, that strong of a, a screenplay where they know they know where they want to go, they know how good their actors are, they know how good their characters are, and it's just committed, committed as hell the whole time. It's funny. It's got some like really like dark humor in it, and uh, gosh, it's just one of those kind of diamond screenplays that totally deserves it. Uh, I do love the search. Those two names, Richard Schweischer and David Weschler. <laughs> Doesn't sound real. <laughs> I, I know it sounds like, yeah, like a, like a sketch, but uh, yeah. I'm yeah. sure it's a great like, movie. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it, it's like, uh, uh, what was the Kevin Nealon and Dana Carvey? They would do the, um, they would do that, that sketch for SNL where they were the, the fucking meatheads, the, I think it was Hans and Franz. Yeah. I'm Hans. Yeah. Hans. <laughs> Yeah, just doesn't sound real. Yeah, <laughs> so good. Um, a foreign affair. I'm gonna have to check that out. Uh, and the search. Yes, but Belinda and Snake Pit. I'm familiar with. Yeah, both both really good. Foreign affair is yeah. I mean Billy Wilder, right? So a huge name. That's that's a movie I've I've always kind of had in the back of my head that 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 I should check out. Um. Uh, also, cinematography by Charles Lang. I like that guy a lot too. So, yeah, Foreign Affair. That's one I'll probably get to uh, next when it comes to 1948 nominated movies. Very nice. Um, how about Best Supporting Actor next? Yes. Yeah, let's do that. Charles Bickford for Johnny Belinda, Jose Ferrer, Joan of Arc, Oscar Hamolka, I Remember Mama. Cecil Kellaway, The Luck of the Irish, and the winner, Walter Houston, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Yeah, again, I mean, I haven't seen three of these movies. Uh, Charles Bickford, Black McDonald. Was he the rapist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah, I think Walter Houston has this just this perfect, you know, he might be full of shit or he might be a genius kind of thing going on. You don't really know until they actually find the gold. And you're like, oh, no, he knows everything about this. Because the first, when I first saw this, I'm like, this guy's going to, like, try to rob them in the desert. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's played so, like, when you first meet him, he's like, come one, come all. Let me tell you the secrets of how to find gold. Like, he sounds like a carnival salesman. Like, <laughs> he's ridiculous. He's talking so loud. So many people can hear him. Like, he just doesn't care. Um. I love that kind of guy. Like, I would love to know this guy's story. Like, how the hell did he end up in Tampico trying to get people to go in on a gold expedition? That's that. Yeah, that's the genius of, of movie making, right? Is that um, the mystery, the mystery of characters, the mystery of, of whatever story you're in. It's like, I will always adore that about movies when I'm, I'm always, I, I know I'm going to be wondering the whole time, but I'm okay with it. I'm content with it. And with with his character specifically, yeah, I think he's he's the perfect supporting supporting role to win. He's one of my favorite 
one of my favorite supporting uh, wins of all time. He's he's so good. His laugh, like especially towards the end when he's just losing his fucking mind, and he's like, he's like, oh, <laughs> he's like, this is a this is a joke that's worth ten months of suffering and hard labor. He's just, just laughing. <laughs> yeah, and he's just like <laughs> falling because he can't do anything else. Yeah, yeah, he he has no idea what's what's going on, and, and, and you know, rest in peace to him. He died two years later, right in 1950. Uh, so he's he died when he was 67. Does this movie? It's kind of his last, you know, his last stand of, you know, I still got it. I'm still I'm still the man. You know, I can act with the very best of them, and just crazy, man. Yeah, it, his his grandchildren, like we we pointed out, you know, Angelica, Danny, and Jack. They they still. Well, Jack's the great great grandchild, or just great grandchild. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're still you know still here, kind of carrying out that name. But fuck, he was he had something else going on that was just so unique and so cool. Yeah, <laughs> he's and he's Canadian. I love that. <laughs> he's Canadian. Yeah. I don't know why that's great, but it is. Yeah, um, it just works. Yeah, <laughs> I do wish Tim Holt had been up. I thought he was fantastic mm. in his curtain. I wish he'd also gotten a nomination. Still think Houston deserved the win, but it would have been cool to see him have a nomination as well. Yeah, all three of them should have been right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Curtin, Curtin's great. I love love Curtin as kind of like the the guy who's kind of standing with the. He's like, no, let's look, let's listen to the old guy, you know. And then he has this change of heart a few times where he doesn't quite know. And he he finally realizes Dobbs has lost his mind, but uh, and you know he ends up the movie ends with him saying goodbye. It's a really nice moment between him and Howard. They're like laughing their asses off. And then they're like, well, what are you going to do next? You know, he's really good. He holds his own. He holds his own with these guys. I agree with you. Um, I, I've got to see Jonah Bark. What are, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's Ingrid Bergman kind of, you know, one of her, one of her big roles uh, directed by Victor Fleming. Uh, yeah, we, we've got to see this movie. It's just, I, I just haven't found the right time to do it. We'll probably bring it up on the show at some points. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Ingrid Bergman, Victor Fleming, holy shit! I'm, I'm yeah, one hundred percent on board for that. <laughs> yeah, Ingrid Ingrid has has that that same thing, the classic Hollywood of like, I'll watch whatever she's in. You know, um, she she completely blows my mind. She, I, I will say, it would be hard for her to beat um, in the best actress category. I think Jane Wyman is fucking wonderful, and Johnny Belinda, and then Olivia De Havilland. Oh my god, in the Snake Pit, she's great. So it'd be hard for her to like beat them, but I'm down to see if she can. Jane Wyman and Johnny Belinda, the, the weight on her shoulders for that film. I, it's, I, I admire her commitment to that movie so much. It's unreal. Um, I think it's the only performance in Oscar history that has zero dialogue. It's gotta be. Yeah, yeah. it's gotta be. And just, you know, the film dealing with, you know, rape in the 1940s, I'm sure people tried to shut that thing down constantly, but here it is. And I honestly think it's been kind of buried. I remember I had a hard time getting a hold of a copy. So I'm glad that we keep bringing it up. Oh yeah. This is, this is one of those, like do, do whatever you got to do. If you got to rent it, if you got to, you know, figure out a way to watch it, watch it. Johnny Belinda is very good. Very, very good. So is the snake pit, man. God damn. Oh Yeah. Olivia de Havilland's a freak, freak of nature. She's so good. She's one of those people too that I just don't like see people like her. Both of them, 
Jane Wyman, fucking Ingrid Bergman too. I don't see women like them now anymore. Like Olivia just had just so much natural, natural talent just pouring out of her. Uh, just, just, just her again, same as like Bogart, her eyes just like told you everything. And I, I, yeah, I, I want to see Bergman just to see what she, you know, how she stacks up against those two specifically, but you also got Irene Dunn and Barbara Stanwyck. So, you know, that's, there's always more to watch, right? Yeah, for every episode we do, we discover like six or seven new movies to watch down the road. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. And that's I, I want it that way. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, best director. Yes. We have, yeah, we have Lawrence Olivier for Hamlet. Gene uh, or Jean Negolsko, Johnny Belinda. Fred Zinneman, The Search. Anatoly Litvak, The Snake Pit, and the winner, John Houston, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Now that I understand the significance of Fred Zinneman in his films, uh, <laughs> cool to see him here. And then Olivier, I'm so glad he didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, the, that's, that's the one that I'm like, thank God it didn't win that. Um, the Search. Do you, do you know about this movie? Search? I don't. This is the first I'm hearing about it, but I'm looking at it, and this sounds fascinating. Uh, yeah, a young Auschwitz survivor uh, starring Montgomery Clift. Fuck yeah, come on! Like, and this is you know this is 1948. This is right after World War II ends, you know. And I mean, obviously, we're still the world still feels the repercussions of 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 that. It's not really not that long ago in the big scheme of time. And I love seeing movies that are kind of fresh off of straight up trauma, you know, and history in the middle of changing and so that that's fascinating that Zinneman like went ahead and did that so yeah that's that's on my radar I love yeah. me some Montgomery Clift yeah he's he's fantastic uh with you know talk about him and talking about Olivia de Havilland brings back the heiress <laughs> oh, I love the heiress holy shit that was a that was great a, movie that was a fun one but I, but I think about with Montgomery Clift, I just think about that that heat check performance in Judgment at Nuremberg, where he comes in and just fucking goes, just goes hard for like for like a few minutes, and you're like, oh my god, this movie just got flipped upside down. <laughs> uh, and, and you know, another World War II movie. So yeah, Jesus. Um, well, and fucking um, uh, from here to eternity, he's amazing in that movie. That guy rules. He's good at war movies. <laughs> yeah, he keeps popping up in random episodes of this show. I love it. Um, <laughs> Nagolsko and Litvak. We've seen Johnny Belinda and the Snake Pit. How do you think they stack up against Houston? They they give it their best go, but uh, this is where this is where my 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 fandom will show for sure. Uh, the, the, those are those are good movies. Both both good. Both worth anybody's time. But Sierra Madre is is the only must see that I see here. Like, you just you can't skip it. You cannot skip Sierra Madre. And uh, again, I, everything that's happening with you know Owen Marks, the film editor, uh, Ted McCord, the cinematographer, John Houston, the captain of this ship. They just they all they all know exactly what they're doing, and it's this clear group effort. And the movie has aged so fucking well. There's not really anything wrong with it. There's not really anything, any uh, 
there's not really any trip ups or, Oh, look, that was kind of a, kind of a shitty little editing job or, Oh, like they didn't really know what to do with that 10 minutes. There's no lull. There's nothing boring. Every minute counts. And John Houston, God damn, you know, just to think that he was only eight years into seven or eight years into directing and he does this. It's just crazy. Like, yeah, he was clearly raised by a guy who lived and breathed fucking film. Yes. And it's just amazing. I love that. Um, I think Michael Powell and Emmerich Pressburger should be here for the red shoes. I, I think that film is brilliantly directed. Yeah. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> Lawrence Olivier, you got to go buddy. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yeah. There's, this is one of the most impressive years of the Oscars that we've discovered on this show thus far. I think I just, I'm consistently impressed by the quality of films and the groundbreaking uh, like landmarks that happen here with all these films. It's really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's up there. Uh, I love, I love 2007. I love, love 1975, love 1974. Uh, but this, this is like up there. It's up there, like in the top five or 10 best ceremonies overall for me, for, for, for these, these movies up at the top, these best picture, best director, like th- these movies kick ass and are, and Hamlet, like, I, we, of course, we're kind of shit talking it. It's not horrible. It's not horrible, but it's just done. It's not even close to these other movies. Um, like, I think I gave it a six. It's fine. It's whatever. I just don't. I hate when a movie like that wins the most awards at a show when there's other movies that just outshine it by a mile. Well, it's just not a best picture by any means of the word. It's it's weird that it even stands amongst these films. I mean, sure, give him a, a best actor nod, give it some production design shit, but best picture, best director, like, no. It's just not, it does, it's not up to snuff. It, has, it doesn't hold up, that's for damn sure. It's a slog to get through. Uh, you know, Shakespeare's got a very niche audience, especially these days. I mean, I, you know, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Macbeth, but that's about it. I can't, I can't deal with Hamlet anymore. I can't deal with these two and a half to four hour cuts by British thespians who all want to be the next Olivier. I just can't take it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally understand. Uh, it's not really my bag either. I'll, I'll, it's very rare that I'll just straight up turn something down. Uh, but it's not something I'm racing to, you know. Yeah. It's not something. I, it's not something I'm. I'm. You know, knocking on the door for. So that, that's a great way to go into our best picture rankings. Yeah. Ob- obviously, Hamlet's both are number five. <laughs> it's, I mean. It's yeah, it's it just doesn't doesn't belong. I, I think the rest of these movies are are an eight and above and Hamlet's yeah, five or six. It just doesn't belong. No, it's it's weird. And I I just don't know what they were thinking. Uh like wow, this Olivier has brought Shakespeare to the big screen. That's great. Did he do a good job of it? I don't really think so. I've watched this and I've watched Henry V and I'm like, I'm I think I'm done. Like if it's Olivier and Shakespeare, I'm not watching it. I'll watch, you know, Olivier do anything else, but I, I don't want to watch him do Shakespeare anymore. I just, it's boring. It takes forever. And I just feel like I wasted two and a half hours. I like, I like movies less by the time I'm done with it. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm is like, not, not what I want. <laughs> I could have watched two horror movies by now. Yeah. And yeah. Had a much better time, but nope, here we are. <laughs> so no. Yeah. Hamlet, Hamlet loses the race here. 
<laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. Enough, enough shit talking, Hamlet. Uh, what's your number four? Uh, and I want to stress, I think the rest of these films are gold, and this was tough. Um, extremely. Yeah. Number four for me is the red shoes. Oh boy. I know. I know. I don't want to do it, but it's gotta, it's gotta be somewhere. Um, red shoes is great. It's a really well-balanced film. I do think the, uh, the ballerina scenes do go on a bit longer than I would, I would want. Uh, but I get it. It's a movie about ballerinas. Like I'm not, I'm not an idiot. (laughs) There's going to be dancing here. It's fair. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but I love the ending. I love the the character development in this film. I think it's very well written. And I don't like my fourth, my fourth through two are on pretty freaking even ground. It's really hard to kind of put one up against the other. They're all solid eights for me. I'm just like, I gotta, I gotta put them somewhere. So red shoes. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much in that exact same boat. Uh, or, or yeah, it, it is. Uh, actually, no. My number two is a, is is a, is a nine. But yeah, these th- they're they're close. They're close. I, I'm with you on that. Oh man, yeah, I'll be talking about red shoes later. <laughs> my number four is the Snake Pit. Okay. Uh, God damn, love this movie. This is when you know it's a good group. Is four out of the five movies just fucking hit and stick with you? Uh, this one. This one's uh, kind of like kind of got some some you know like thriller aspects to it. Got some you know the psychological stuff going on, kind of like horror at times, which I love. I love from this era because it's just uh, completely different from what you're used to. You know, you're, you're used to seeing like '40s '50s musicals. You know, but the Snake Pit is just kind of kind of different than that you know it's going going for something totally different and and my favorite my favorite aspect of it is 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 olivia to have one she just blows my mind in this movie um it's it for for her it's either that or the heiress where I, like uh, those those two movies are just very important to me as a fan um snake pit is a movie i i want to buy really bad i, I want to have it on my shelf Mainly, again, mainly because of her. She's someone that I've bonded over with. My, my mom. My mom found out that I like knew who she was, and she was like, "Oh my god, she's a legend!" And I, like, yeah, I, I get it now. You know, after after seeing some of her work, and and just this look she has, this kind of kind of bug eyed, like kind of everything's kind of like kind of fucking with her. You know, she just has a way of playing the psychological roles better than better than most people I've seen. I love the uh, staging at the hospital at the uh, the Juniper, I think is what it's called, the uh, state yeah. hospital that they're at. Really cool. Just kind of just kind of unsettling has stuck with me, you know. And I again, I didn't rewatch all these movies for this episode, but I remember them very well. And I, I, I want to rewatch them again. I would love to revisit these again. Own all of them. They're just kind of a special class. This is, this is an eight out of 10 movie, but I've just seen it once. So it could move up. You know what I mean? Oh, I, yeah, I very much know what you mean. Um, my number three is the snake pit. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> it's phenomenal. Uh, I'm mostly impressed by how progressive it is. It's one, it's yeah. one of the first films to ever actually treat mental illness as a legitimate problem and not as like something to be afraid of or something to ostracize yeah. somebody for. It's 
it's brilliant in the way it portrays that. It's way ahead of its time. And Olivia is amazing in this. She just, she pulls it off. She never plays it for, you know, for laughs or for fears. She's just playing somebody who needs help. And yeah, yeah. People who help her. Like, it's a great movie. I think that this should be taught in like, you know, psych classes. Like, this thing is, is important. It's a great movie. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, they, they, they have a much different look on, you know, schizophrenia than most, most people in 1948 did, right? And that's, that's huge. Like, movies are such a huge way to reach out to people and teach them that, hey, this thing is actually different than what it seems or different than what you've been taught. And I, I appreciate that a lot when you go back and watch movies and, and you, you, you can see it, you can feel it. And Olivia's a big reason why, you know, Virginia Cunningham is like such a cool, cool fucking character. Like I, I want like a, I want like a poster of this movie. <laughs> Cause it, I just, I think about it a lot. It was really hard to put it at number four, but I'm, I'm with you, man. Had to do it somewhere. Um, so your number three is, is uh, snake pit. My number three is Johnny Blenda. Uh, yeah. Christ. <laughs> Here's another one. We, you already spoke briefly about uh, Jane Wyman's performance. She, she, doesn't, she doesn't speak. Uh, this is another one, like a trendsetter. Uh, not a trendsetter. Sorry, that's not the right way to put it. It, it, sets the, it sets the fucking bar for dealing with this very serious matter of, of rape, of, of you know, molesting, and it takes it very seriously. And Jane Wyman takes it very seriously, you know, and I, this was the one that I kind of like just looked at for a moment. And I was like, ah, okay. You know, and then I watched it and I was like, wow, you know, this is, this is kind of why Connor and I set out to do this, to watch, to commit to these episodes and watch a bunch of different movies, not just, not just Hamlet, but watch the other four as well and see what happens. And I remember Johnny Blenda being the one that surprised me the most where I was like, wow. I just, you know, I just looked at IMDb for just a moment. I didn't recognize anybody's name, you know, and shame on me. I just kind of like, I was like, okay, I'll throw it on and see what happens. This is really fucking good. (laughs) Really fucking good. And a movie that, same as all these, this is a trend with these movies is any other year around it in the forties or fifties, it's, it's going to be there. It's going to be in that best picture category. They're that good. Yeah, I agree. I would also like to really quick just clarify: Charles Bickford does not play uh, the rapist; he plays um, her dad. That Black McDonald is the dad. Yeah, the rapist is Lockie McCormick. Oh, okay, okay. He's not even listed on this. Um... Yeah, the film stars Jane Wyman, Lou Eris, Charles Bickford, Agnes Moorhead. Uh, uh, that's the name of the character. The actor Stephen McNally. Oh, okay. Okay. Steve McNally is the actor. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. No, my bad. I, I heard that wrong. My mistake. Uh, Johnny Belinda is my number two. And yeah, it's a, it's a trailblazer. It's a remarkable film in the way it portrays um, a rape incident. Uh, again, not played for, you know, any kind of, it's not mocking anything. It's, it takes it very seriously and also like strengthens the characters. And I, the performances are just remarkable. I, I, I really am impressed by this film and everything that it was able to pull off in 1948. Yeah. Jesus. 
Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was quite controversial for its time, as you can imagine. You know, uh, Hollywood was like, whoa, 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 what, what is this? You know? Yeah, I mean, it touches on individual liberties, parental fitness, like themes that you just don't see in films of this time, like rarely. Uh, in this case, you know, I think this was this earned a, like what twelve nominations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm. I think it's. Yeah, I'm, I'm very. I was very impressed with this one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, Jane Wyman taking, taking home the gold is, is rightly so very good, very good stuff. So did you buy this movie or how, how did we get this one? I, can't I got it through Netflix in the mail. Um, okay. But when I do see a copy, I am going to grab it. Oh yeah. I would pay whatever, whatever it took for these, you know, I own, I own my top, the top two movies that I have here. I own, but the other three, I don't. I, I would own them all. You know, I would own Hamlet just because I want to have all the all the winners on my shelf. Um, my number two, as you can guess, is, is The Red Shoes. <laughs> uh, fucking hell, man. <laughs> this movie is really good. This is, I actually have rewatched this since because when we did it, um, I want to say you got it Netf- Netflix through the mail as well. No, Red Shoes was on Criterion. Yeah, but I I don't remember. Oh, I guess you're right. We had I, we had Criterion at that time because that's how I watched Hamlet. Yeah. Okay. So that's how we watched it. Okay. And I think I think if I'm not mistaken, right now the Red Shoes is on HBO Max right now as we speak, um, and on Criterion, of course, it's got got a real nice Criterion edition. Um, boy, oh boy, this is this is right up my alley. Uh, fucking weird, weird, weird movie. Great music, weird dancing, you know, ballet scenes. Very, very much a, a predecessor to to Black Swan from 2010. Uh, definitely a movie about obsession, about being as good as you can be in the arts, right? And I love movies like that. And you know, I'm not a not a ballet guy, but if you do it like this, you know, where it's like a horror movie, I, I'm in. <laughs> I'm fucking in. I love the Red Shoes. I think it's a daunting, daunting film, and. I, it, yeah, it's one that it's the other one that I've revisited besides Sierra Madre, uh, just because I can't get enough of it. It um, it's it's score. I think it's score is my favorite my favorite aspect of it. That I just listen to it on my own in my car sometimes. Um, by Brian Easdale, very 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 cool score. Just it reminds me of it's like shit that's coming out now. You know, that's like oh wow, this is six seventy years ago and. This would have, I'm sure this frightened, frightened uh, audiences back then, but it still frightens me today. And I love that about it. This is, uh, of all these trends that we're kind of seeing with these movies that we both love, uh, I think it's, I think it's because they all last. Uh, They've all aged well. They have all lasted so long and still look so impressive. And the red shoes is is no, no slouch to that. I, uh, I recommend this one for sure. I think this is a, a cinephile's dream kind of movie where it's just bizarre. It's not like anything you've really seen. It's got crazy good performances from people you haven't really heard of, you know, and I love that about it. I, I agree with you. Michael Powell and Emmerich uh, Pressburger, both the, they directed it together and wrote the screenplay should have been up for best director. Just a damn shame. This is the most out there movie from this ceremony that I've seen. It's just very ambitious. And yeah, had had to give it my number two just because of that. It's a th- that one's a nine for me. Belinda and Snake Pit are both eight, so just barely gets the edge there. But 
now we know what number one is for both of us. <laughs> yeah, of course. The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, one of the greatest adventure films of all time. Uh, what else could it possibly be? I do want to ask real quick. The Red Shoes and Hamlet, are those the only two of this bunch that are in the Criterion Collection? Do you know of? I think so, yeah. Well, I'm hoping Criterion wises the fuck up and puts these other, these other three films in their collection because I want some pristine editions. I th- I think Joan of Arc is also um, is is in is in the collection. Uh, it's obviously not a best pick nominee, but I'm pretty sure it is. I'll have to look at that though. That's that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Sierra Madre is the film that should have won best picture at this award. This is a a game changer, an exciting film. Tense as hell, no matter how many times you watch it. Incredibly well acted, well directed, well written. Like this is what a best picture looks like. And I just I don't know what happened here. Yeah, yeah, I agree. This is like this is like Shawshank 1994. What were you doing? You know, it's like it's one, it's one of those. It's Brookback Mountain against Crash. It's you know, it's it's driving Miss Daisy beating out all those great 1989 films. Just doesn't doesn't really add up. Doesn't really make sense when it's right there in front of you. You obviously saw it. You nominated it. So how how can you not choose this one over that? Just doesn't make much sense. It. it I echo everything you said. Just everything is executing on all cylinders extremely well, and I can't wait to give awards out to it. It was so much fun you know, kind of watching the film and being like, oh, that's my favorite quote. And then, oh, no, no, it changed, you know, and just kind of going with it with this movie. And I had so much fun rewatching it uh, as I, as I always do, you know, going back to, going back to, you know, these guys and mining for gold is, is, is the best. It's, this is a straight 10 out of 10 movie for me. Uh, I can't believe can't believe it's not in the criterion collections. Fucking crazy. <laughs> this is like an American you know, it should be in a fucking museum. <laughs> <laughs> it is. We, I wonder what their selection process is like. Like, do they have to get approval before they throw be, something in? There must be, because there's so many, you know, classics that aren't there. And then like fucking, you know, all of Wes Anderson's movies are. So it's like, okay, well, like, what are we really doing here? You know, do you have to get permission or, or rights or whatever it is? I don't know. I was shopping today and I saw a Criterion edition of RoboCop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like what? I it's a great movie, but really, yeah, RoboCop <laughs> rules. But okay, yeah, I just it's I wonder sometimes like RoboCop and Armageddon made it, but nothing by Quentin Tarantino's in there. Like, I don't know, uh, but I digress. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, Sierra Madre. Yeah, uh, it's an eight for me, but it's a high eight. Uh, it'll probably go up. It's tough for me. An eight is a is a great movie. I mean, you got to really impress me to get a nine, and you got to like, I don't, t- I can't even explain what gets a movie a ten, but I just know. <laughs> yeah, same, 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 same. I definitely know. I usually know when it, in the in the middle of it, I'm like, oh man, this is this is this is doing something to me. <laughs> I can't. I and I and I can't explain it. That usually means it's probably probably going somewhere towards ten. Um, and you know this is this isn't any sort of discovery. You know this movie is massive. It, it has become extremely iconic. There's people who are obsessed with 
with this movie. And my favorite connections with this, with this one are, are of course, Paul Thomas Anderson's admiration for it and the clear, the clear inspiration he got from this movie to do a lot of the things he did. And even um, Daniel Day Lewis said that really, you know, he doesn't look to other performances for inspiration too often. He's like, I, I can kind of build my own, but he did say for Daniel Plainview that Dobbs was someone he watched and was very inspired by for that role, which is just fucking cool as shit. Right. You know, one of the best movies of uh, one of the best movies of our of the century that we're in going toe to toe against, you know, one of the best movies of the century before in Sierra Madre. Just an absolute dream for me. <laughs> you, you never hear Daniel Day Lewis talk about his influences. That is wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I when I read that, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, I get it though. I get it. Dobbs is the fucking man. My favorite thing that um, in terms of legacy and what this film would later inspire is um, the clear costume inspiration for Indiana Jones. Uh, mm-hmm. Dobbs's fedora, like it's very much the look of Indiana Jones came from Dobbs, uh, and that's just fucking great. <laughs> uh, Bo- Bogart is the only person from this era, you know, a, a lot of guys would wear hats. They'd like ple- be, in, be in like noir films and they would wear the hat and do the whole thing. He's the only one that I'm like, he actually pulls that shit off. <laughs> like Bogart can wear the hat. He can wear the slacks. He can wear whatever kind of pants and a button down. And I'm in, I'm in. Like he just, he fits, he fits every kind of everyday American role that you possibly can fill. He looks awesome just with a cigarette. He's hanging out of his uh, mouth. He yeah. looks like the epitome of class. Like, Jesus yeah. Christ, I get it, man. Uh, everyone who's ever put on a fedora thinks they look like Bogey. You, you don't. You look weird. No. Bogey looked like Bogey. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. Uh, they wish. They wish they could They could do what he does or do what he did. Again, rest in peace. The guy, guy fucking ruled. Um, I, I was just, I was reading before we, we, we did this, just kind of like trying to figure out what, why wasn't he nominated for, for Sierra Madre? Like, like what happened? And, you know, it, we're not the only ones. At the time, it was very controversial. People were like, wait, wait, what? That's That might be the best part of the movie. And <laughs> you just fucking, you didn't even give it a nomination, you know, let alone, you know, any any sort of any sort of win. And, you, you know, there's not really much there. It's just kind of like seen as, you know, the, the Academy was like, yeah, we made a mistake, you know. And there's, there's people back then uh, in, in the 40s, in the late 40s, who sort of, shunned the academy and basically were like no we're good because of this decision to not have bogart it would be like if you and i were um you know oh well we have to see i don't know uh we have to see olivia coleman up for the favorite otherwise you know we're not gonna fucking be down with you guys anymore they don't nominate her she's nowhere to be seen at that show and you and i just stop paying attention to the oscars like that happened with a significant chunk of people of fans they like shunned the academy because of this decision and i was like i get it i fucking get it (laughs) he's that good that's awesome i love that this the history of the oscars isn't just about the movies it's about the people watching them and I, i love that that's that's reinforced oh yeah oh yeah time and time again you realize you know this does have a pretty 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 amazing history of almost 100 years in awards and for most of it 
people really paid attention. You know, now nowadays it's hard to get those viewers. People don't care as much about these kinds of films, but there was a time where popular and pristine were best picture nominees. You know, there was a time when Godfather won <laughs> one best picture back to back. There was a time when fucking return of the King won best picture just 20 years ago. So we've, we were in a different place now with the Oscars for sure. But there was a time where it was like what you and I want it to be, <laughs> you know, there, there, there really was a time where I think people could be proud of it. Uh, and this is why when you make these decisions, people are going to turn on you. It's like, wait a minute, you had our attention. You don't want my curiosity. <laughs> what, is, what is, what is this? <laughs> uh, that's crazy. Well, that's a, that's a cool anecdote. Um, yeah. He was the best, maybe the best performance of that ceremony from what I've seen so far. Um, yeah. Yeah. T- to me, it's like a surefire win. Yeah. Damn shit. Well, you know what? Maybe he'll win tonight. <laughs> yes. Maybe he will. He, maybe he will with our, our awards. Um, which, yeah, again, it's going to be a lot of fun. The Tarantino Award for Best Quote. You could choose anything in the movie, and no one's going to no one's gonna argue with you. Uh, the Ennio Morricone Award for Best Music Moment. Lots of stuff to choose from. Uh, then the Philip Seymour Hoffman Award for Best Performance. I think I have an idea of where we're going to be going. <laughs> and the, De- the Deacons, uh, Roger Deacons Award for Best Scene of the Movie, which I'm uh, still grappling uh, in my mind right now. So... <laughs> I'll let you. I'll let you start with your Tarantino, and uh, let's do this thing. Sweet. I have two lines. Uh, first one's just real quick because it made me laugh. Uh, it's when Cody shows up and is asking for you know, hey, you know, maybe we should partner up on this. And they wake up to see him making coffee, and <laughs> Dobbs is like, "I caught him stealing our water," and. Cody's like, I thought I was among civilized men who wouldn't begrudge me a drink of water. And Dobbs just goes, who's not civilized? And immediately punches him in the face. <laughs> yeah. So Dobbsy. Yeah. <laughs> Loved it. Uh, and then my other one um, you touched on earlier. It's at the end of the movie when they lose the gold dust and Howard can't help but laugh. And he just goes... Yeah. Oh, laugh, Curtin, old boy. It's a great joke played on us by the Lord or fate or nature, whatever you prefer. But whoever or whatever played it certainly had a sense of humor. (laughs) (laughs) The hell of a way to look. You just lost like 500 grand worth of gold. But hey, you know, there's always next time. (laughs) That mentality is like, I I admire you. I don't know if I could do that. (laughs) Yeah. God, I love Howard. Love the way he love the way he articulates everything. Um, (laughs) He's Dobbs is Dobbs is amazing, but Howard's got some of the best lines, some of the best lines in the movie. He just gets to chew on. Uh, Walter Houston is perfect for that, for, for that, for those, those type of lines. Howard is just like, you get the vibe. This is not the first fortune this man has lost. Like he has been yep. through the ringer. He's experienced this before and he's like, eh, it's all right. There's always going to be another fortune. Yeah. I love, I love when he tells Curtin, he's like at the end of the movie, same scene. He's like, um, Oh, you're young. You got another three or four fortunes, you know. <laughs> but he's like, I'm old. That. I'm gonna go be a medicine man. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they want they they want me to be their legislator. Their whole legislator. <laughs> uh, he's so good, so good. Um, Mike Tarantino goes to one of his quotes. Uh, it's 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 more towards the beginning of the film when 
he's kind of explaining to them the the dangers of of what they're what they're asking about and what they're wanting to do and he understands this is not not easy and he says ah as long as there's no fine the noble brotherhood will last but when the piles of gold begin to grow that's when the trouble starts oh, oh man such a good line. I love how this movie's telling you exactly what's going to happen. Uh, the first 20 minutes, um, Howard says it all. He says everything in the first 20 to 20, first 20 or 30 minutes, because once they get up on the mountain and he starts telling them, Hey, like you should probably eat some beans. Cause we're going to be in the mighty rough country tomorrow. And like, you guys are both sleeping, but you should probably be eating or, you know, they get weak and they start kind of losing it. They get, they start like hallucinating. He knows like you have to take care of yourself. You have to pace yourself or when they're walking on the gold and he's like, look, what's look what's under you. You know, like he, he, he's just kind of spelling it out for you the whole time. That first, first chunk of the movie. And I, I love that. I love when he tells them like, you know, Oh, we, we passed several spots of gold, but it's too far away from the water. Like it's not, it's not worth it. Like we got to set yeah. up a neutral spot. And when they find the, the fool's gold and he's like, do me a favor. Next time you, like, come get me before you start splashing water around. Yeah, because they just they just waste the whole canteen. Yeah, they're like, yeah. oh, Howard, Howard, get down here. Uh, <laughs> so good. Oh, man. I love I love Dobbsy and Curtin's kind of initial friendship where they they get fucked over by that guy that they're working for and they beat the shit out of him. Uh, and they're kind of in it together, you know, and of course that doesn't go as planned, but uh, I, I really like their camaraderie at the beginning of the movie where there's just a couple, couple Americans. Would you stake a fellow American to a meal? <laughs> you know, I love all that stuff in Tampico. I love that He, he accosts the same guy three times and the guy's like, look, I'm the, this is the last you're getting for me. Here's another one. So you remember. <laughs> so good. <laughs> oh man. Great stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could, you could. We've we've been on a roll here, especially with the Tarantino Award. We 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 did recently. We did the Master when Harry met Sally, Shawshank, No Country for Old Men, like uh, Day for Night. That's, like, we've been doing some amazing screenplays as of late. Yeah. But there's 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 not a lot of screenplays that can go toe to toe with uh, Sierra Madre. It's just razor sharp. I recently made a letterbox list of all the Oscar winning screenplays that I've watched. And it was so cool to see the variety and like, just, you know, these are the, the, the Oscars have said, these are the greatest stories we've ever awarded because that's what the screenplay Oscar means. This is the, the best story that this year has to offer. And it's just cool to see what was considered the best story. And yeah, Sierra Madre is one of those films. It's, it's neat to see them all kind of lined up like that. I fucking love Letterbox. <laughs> yeah, me too. Letterbox is great. It's especially if you have kind of a, a a mind like an organized mind already. You kind of have those movie posters floating in your brain somewhere, and you know they're okay. kind of like you know they're somewhere up in your personal ether, right? <laughs> and to be able to see it physically, like, I, like really organized and neat, like on an app, that's just, just for people who love movies. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm very, very happy. I, I I'm, I'm on Letterboxd and can, can do things like that. Uh, it's, and then look at stuff that you do or look at stuff that, you know, the people you follow, you can just check out their list and movies they've been seeing. So it's just very neat. It's, it's like Facebook for cinephiles. It's cool. Yeah. Awesome. 
All right. Let's do the let's do the Enya Morricone Award. I'm excited to hear what you got, what you picked out, because this is not an easy one to um, uh, to to find, like uh, you know, on on um, streaming, like Spotify or Apple Music or whatever it is. It's, it's hard to find specific pieces from the from the score, so you have to really know what you want, what you really like out of it, and I, I like that about it. Yeah. I yeah I'm I've always kind of done that with the score anyway the way I always describe my scene as opposed to picking the name of the music and I've definitely got a scene here and it's when the bandits arrive at their camp mm. uh, the music reminded me so much again of Indiana Jones of just like the bad guys here <laughs> yeah know? yeah like oh shit here we go conflict and. Just, you know, them finally, they're teaming up with Cody. Like They were just about to fucking kill. Yeah, <laughs> like, here, yeah, friend, yeah. take a rifle. Go coach over there. It's like, <laughs> are we just going to forget that? Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a great scene. And, you know, we got that gold hat guy who just keeps coming back. And yeah, I'm surprised neither of us for the uh, for the Tarantino went with the, you know, we don't need those stinking badges thing. It's too, it's too big. It's like I, too, yeah, yeah. No, it's amazing. Yeah. We, yeah. we ain't got no badges. <laughs> uh, I don't have to show you any stinking badges. Yeah, it's amazing. Oh, but it's just, it's really cool. It sets the stage for a fucking showdown. Yeah. And I love, I love that bit of score. So badass. Yeah. That's, that's a great, great pick. Um, I had written that down. I had also written down when uh, Gold Hat and his couple of henchmen show up, basically, basically to kill Dobbs. Uh, oh, yeah. And you're you're like, oh shit, uh, that that music gets real dark. But and then the movie ended, and it's the end credits uh, music is like happy, <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, I love that. That's such a cool touch because it, it leaves you like, dah, 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 dah. <laughs> you know, you're, and it, and it's the exact same as There Will Be Blood. At the end of There Will Be Blood, the music to, at the end of that movie is like, he just murdered this guy, like cold blood murder. And then he says, I'm finished, you know, and then like the music, Johnny Greenwood's score plays and it's like all happy. I was like, ah, it's the same thing in Sierra Madre. And I love when movies do that, when it's wicked dark, there's just been recently, there's been death. You know, our main character, Dobbs, just gets killed. They lose all their gold, you know, and now they're back to square one, you know, uh, Howard and Curtin have to, you know, part ways. And then the movie ends and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> How am I supposed to feel about this? And I love that. It forces you to kind of confront um, what did you just watch? And did you actually pay attention? Is this, I think it's trying to throw you off. And for me, it's, it's perfect. It's a great choice. Uh, I did. I love the contrast and it did remind me of there will be blood. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, it, it represented for me, especially for um, Curtin, I wonder which path is he going to take? Is he going to be kind of like, eh, we'll get it next time, like Howard? Or is he going to be like, I'm going to live and die for the gold like Dobbs? Like, who's he going to emulate going forward? Mm. And I wonder, like, you know, is he going to be the American asking for you know a steak in Tampico? And, or is he going to be the, the, the guy being like, I know how to get you gold. Like, what's he going to do next? I, I want to know. Yeah, me too. I would love to know if Kern. Well, well, he does. He does convince him at least initially to go to Dallas. Um, how, how, Howard convinces him, but he's he's young. I would like to think that Curtin does what Howard does. He goes to different fucking basically basically like little hostels in Mexico and is like, 
Hey, if you guys are down and you want to raise the money, I know how to get us there. You know, I know what it's, I know what it's going to take. And I'll, I'd fucking watch that movie. Treasure this Sierra Madre too. Come on, let's go. I'd like to think he did the right thing, but I also remember he voted to kill Cody. Yes, he did. Yeah. So I don't know, you know, what, what's a man capable of when faced with a fortune? It's the big question. Exactly. Uh, yeah. It changes you inevitably. Mm. Uh, who won the movie? Bogart Dobbs. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dobbs. Dobbs. He's the man. Uh, yeah. One, like one of my favorite characters of all time. He's just, he's lights out. It's perfect. It's my favorite thing that Bogey's ever done that I've seen. And I, yeah, I, we've, we've praised him a bunch. I think, you know, if you're listening, you could tell where we were going with this one. Uh, he, he, he's so necessary. And I love when movies, um, just fucking treat their main character like disposable. Like they just, they just die and that's it. Cause that's how life is. Right. And you just keep moving. We've done movies like this. Um, we, we, we did no country for old men. Josh Brolin's character just gets fucking thrown away like trash. Like you don't get any huge close up on him. And it's the same thing with, with boat, with bogey here. It's fucking Humphrey Bogart. And they don't, they're not like making it this huge dramatic thing. Like he dies. And we don't even see those final blows. We don't even see them. And I love that. 1948. I'm sure John Houston had to make some sacrifices. I'm sure he had to cut a lot of what he wanted to do. There's no way in hell the MPA was going to let him show Humphrey Bogart getting hacked to death. Just by getting fucking. Yeah, yeah. By, <laughs> by, by Mexican bandits. Yeah, no way. No way. But I do love the, you know, the consequences of his actions do come back. You know, he didn't get gold hat on the train. He pissed him off with the when he wouldn't give him the rifle, and here it is. You know, you're gonna die. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's such a he's such a terrible person. He's a terrible friend. He's a backstabber. He's a murderer. He's a monster. But he starts out as you know, kind of a relatable dude. It's yeah. It's 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 a wonderful performance. You need that relatability so you care about him later. You need that. You need to to connect to Dobbs. You need to be like, Oh, I've been down on my luck before. I wish I had a fortune. You got to have that. Yeah. I, yeah, I totally agree. I think he, he kind of nails all those emotions of, of, of what we expect out of this character. Um, yeah. So I don't, I don't want to step on a potential deacons for you, but there, there is one moment from him that like, I was like, Oh my God, especially watching it this time. I was like, dude, Bogart is, there's not many people who could do this, who could do the, do this role. And it's a small list, small list of people, but uh, let's hear your deacons. That scene you're talking about, it wouldn't happen to be the scene where Dobbs finally snaps and tries to kill Curtin. Would it? That, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> there it yeah, is. Yeah. That's my deacons. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, it's just fucking crazy. <laughs> you're waiting for it. You know, it's going to happen. You know, he's on the verge of complete mental collapse. And then there it is. They got, you know, the old man's gone to stay with the, with the tribe. Curtin's going to be like, you know, we got to get it to uh, wherever they were going. I forget. Um, but Dobbs has this brilliant idea. Like, well, why don't we just take it? Curtin's like, no, that's wrong. And Dobbs is like, don't you tell me what's wrong. You know, don't, you're not the boss of me. We're going to take, I'm going to take this gold. I earned it. It's mine. And you're going to try to kill me in my sleep. And he just has this complete breakdown. <laughs> and it's the buildup of like the entire movie. You just know this moment's going to happen. And here it comes. And he straight up shoots curtain off screen. 
and starts talking to himself like maybe I didn't get him. Maybe he just playing dead. Like he's completely gone. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great. It's 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 the scene that should have won him the fucking Oscar. I yeah, I agree. I agree. God, I love that. I love that they're like uh, you know the 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 location of it, the production design of of this this particular scene when he starts talking to himself and. There's just no, there's not a lot of guys who could do that. I really don't. I think it's a very like tiny list of people, like like it's like the DDLs and the Jack Nicholsons and the you know it's like guys that are like of a specific caliber that could that could pull that scene off and make it make it what it is. And <laughs> I always laugh so hard when he does that when he says, uh, "Oh, maybe he's just playing dead," you know. <laughs> I'm always like, "Oh my God, Dobbs, Dobbs, calm down, man." <laughs> That they, they, they need you like you need them for this all to work. You guys need each other to like survive, but they he just doesn't want to fucking. I love how they call it their goods, the gold. They're like, you want my goods, don't you? <laughs> you motherfucker. Uh, I love that so much. I almost chose that for my deacons. Um I, I think I think my favorite bit of the movie is 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 from Cody appearing to Cody dying. I think that I think that run of the movie is, is, is real impressive. Yeah, um, it's also just a crazy, crazy uh, showcase display of a director bringing somebody in seamlessly, bringing bringing in another character, uh, and he's a he's a fucking Texan hanging out in Durango uh, named Cody. Like that just that just makes sense. <laughs> I love that he brings him in seamlessly and puts him away seamlessly. Like this character introduction, quick development, and there's even development after he dies, right? Because we see him come in. Uh, he he sees Curtin at that at, at, in Durango when he's like getting new supplies, and then he f- secretly follows him back, and then he's like, "Hey, fellas, you know, you know," and they they yeah they legitimately are like, "Yeah, we're just gonna shoot him, you know, we're just gonna fucking kill him," and then uh, Gold Hat, all the all those guys, you know, come over, and they're. Like, you know, well, we're, you know, we're just here checking you guys and, you know, we're the Federalists or whatever. And that's when Dobbs like, let's see some badges, <laughs> you know, and he's like badges, you know, that's the famous, famous quote. Uh, and then they, there's a fucking gunfight. Uh, and it's just cool to see these guys that we've been with for a little while. And you're like, oh, my God, these bandits are kind of scary. You know, we, they're completely irrational and unpredictable. And then Cody gets hit, you know, Cody dies. And they go through Cody's stuff and it seemed like he was actually kind of an okay dude. And it seemed like he was actually all right. And just, just literally was just trying to like find a way to make a little bit of money for his family is what it was like, what we learn about him after he dies. And that's a, that's a, I don't think many people, people can just pull that off in the middle of a movie at its most tense moment of these guys fucking firing away at these bandits and they just bring in this character and have him exit seamlessly. I just can't can't think of many movies that have just done that with such ease. But it's still this essential part to the story because you learn that these guys don't fucking give a shit. They really just want this goddamn gold. You know, they really that's that is the only reason they're out there. They might never get along in any other facet of life. You know, if they were working together at some place or they were on a sports team together or they ran into each other at a bar, they might have a few words with one another, but it's because of the gold that they're all there and that they're all chasing something. And with Cody, they didn't even get to know him, right? They didn't even ask him anything. They're just like, yeah, we're going to kill him. 
and ultimately he just wanted like a little bit of something to take back to his family. And it's fucking sad. <laughs> it's really sad. It's all of that. That whole stretch is just really impressive to me. But my favorite like little moment is that is that Dobbs moment that where he he's like, I'm going to kill Curtin. You know, this guy wants my goods. <laughs> so that's my favorite like little moment from the movie. But my favorite stretch is that Cody, Cody entering to Cody dying. Uh, but goddamn, this movie is perfect in my eyes. And I think the, I think the ending is great. I think when Dobbs dies, I think that scene's amazing. I think all this stuff in Tampico is amazing. I, I could go for any of it. Cody's scene, I yeah, I get why you picked that one. I I love how incredibly like heartbreaking that letter is where he's you know, she's where his, his sweetheart's like, you promised if you didn't find anything this time, you'd put it away. Like, oh yeah, my god. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's <fucking> sad. <laughs> like Cody Jr.'s missing his daddy. Like, Jesus Christ, man. Um yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to me, Cody represented uh their conscience like this was their last opportunity to be human beings and they didn't take it yeah man i think that's spot on uh, it's really cool that cody comes in and is this lar- like bigger picture type character for just a little bit uh i think i think the more and more you rewatch this movie like most great movies you just catch on to those little things those little subtleties uh, which is what makes it what it is. So I had a lot of fun doing this this movie. It's, it's so so good. Highly recommend it to everybody. I don't think it's on a streaming service right now, but it's accessible. You know. Yeah. Thankfully, the DVD that I I got you, which I stumbled onto at a gas station, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Uh, Perfect. Came with a voodoo code, so we've got it forever. <laughs> there you go. All right. <laughs> no matter what, digital. Uh, that's that's great. Uh, I love it, man. And I'm. I'm really, really excited because I think this run we've been doing of movies on Oscar Sunday have been have been amazing movies that we both just are kind of awestruck by. And next month, we're going to be trying something that we haven't ever done before. Uh, we've done kind of themed stuff uh, where there was a stretch where we did five 90s movies in a row. We did five 40s movies in a row. We did five 50s movies in a row. Uh, we've done that kind of a thing where you try to like focus in on something. But I think um, change is good. And I think uh, kind of making things a little bit different is good for February, which is uh, Black History Month. I think it'd be really cool if you and I did four movies that are either directed by someone who's black or, you know, there's a big, big star in the movie that that's black uh, centered around black stories, essentially. And I think it's gonna be really cool to kind of shine a spotlight on some stuff that maybe doesn't get enough recognition and we're not going to be, you know, we're, we're two white guys making a podcast. We're not trying to get on some kind of high horse. What we're trying to do is, is pay homage to stuff that's important. Uh, hopefully kind of recommending it to people type thing. So we, you know, it's, it's something we haven't done before. And I'm, I'm excited because we've got some amazing, amazing films lined up to do uh, starting with a movie that neither of us have seen next week. Uh, Lilies of the Field from 1963. This, of course, is the late, great Sidney Poitier's uh, Oscar win, you know, for, for performing. So we had planned this a long time ago. I've had that written down for, for months. And I knew I wanted to do this movie on this show because I love Sidney. We both have uh, responded to his stuff on this show already earlier. 
uh, back when we did uh, In the Heat of the Night, and we also talked about Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Uh, we did a we did an episode on the Defiant Ones. He's a guy we both are are attracted to as as a performer. So we've had this lined up long before we knew he he passed away. So it feels right. Feels like the timing is right to go ahead and respect him properly, uh, and a guy who completely changed the game for for uh, black actors and actresses and really really screenplay writers and directors all, all all across the board. So I can't wait to do that movie next week. It's gonna be a lot of fun and kick off a kind of cool Black History Month on Oscar Sunday. But on um, our other shows this this week, we got we got some cool stuff. Tomorrow's sneak preview is a uh, top five least anticipated movies. <laughs> yeah, explain that a little bit. Yeah. Okay, so um, due to some scheduling uh, changes, uh, Caleb and I have already recorded that episode, <laughs> and it's us just shitting on ten movies that we both just do not care about that are coming out this year. Um, we didn't think we'd hit we'd hit an hour. We went well over an hour, just being negative yeah. for for a little bit. Um, and you know, he disagrees with some of mine. I disagree with some of his, but there's some mutual ground there where we really went off on some movies. So it's gonna be an entertaining one. I recommend checking it out. Hell yeah, I'll definitely check that one out. Uh again, that drops tomorrow on January 31st. And then on Wednesday, uh Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight. Let's go. That's film gasm through and through. Uh, you know, as per the cycle, this is Caleb's pick. It's a childhood favorite of his. He's been a lifelong Tales from the Crypt fan, and he's excited to introduce this film to me. So I'm, as always, you know, we got open arms when it comes to rep- uh, recommendations. So bring it on. Perfect. Sounds great, man. And then on uh, Beyond the Bad on Friday, The Island of Dr. Moreau. I, I don't think I've heard of that movie. This is considered one of the worst films of all time, one of the biggest disastrous productions in film history 1996 marlon brando and val kilmer oh i know what you're talking about now oh yeah okay. yeah the yeah. ego like fueling this production i'm pretty sure just caused it to collapse inside of itself like a neutron star so i'm i'm excited to, to just re- look into what happened here and watch this train wreck i, I can't wait hell yeah that's <laughs> awesome we got a good week coming up real random yeah, I love it. I love we got four tight shows, uh, random, you know, off the wall shit going off on all four shows. It's, it's, it's we're in a good place with this. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and I'm having a lot of fun. So, I, and this this episode was great. It's a little birthday gift to myself. So I had a, I had a good time. <laughs> Happy birthday, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Uh, yeah. So I'll see you next week for for Lilies of the Field. Um, hopefully these shows go really well. I can't wait to listen to top five least anticipated because i'm curious i'm curious what y'all are there might be stuff that i that i want to see <laughs> maybe so far it's just blockbusters announced like all the indie stuff we kind of learn about it along the way i'm pretty sure you're sure. gonna be on board with us on this one hell yeah awesome i'll let you guys know <laughs> good stuff man all right well you know uh, hopefully you guys are following us on um twitter instagram facebook uh filmgasm that's it's always always filmgasm on those social medias and uh, keep checking out our stuff. Cause like Connor said, we're in a good place right now. Oh yeah, man. All right. See you later, brother.